Hello, Facebook family in the trigger-proof family. As I'm looking and noticing my hair, that's the first thing I notice when I go here. It's like, okay, let's make sure that it's not too distracting for me. Person, I was going to say distracting for you, but it's really myself. I can't handle it if I don't look absolutely smashing and dashing. <laughs> Welcome to another trigger-proof transmission. Had an amazing question from Suzanne Frederick. And I wanted to have a moment open up so that I could share with you this answer on the topic of empaths. Now, I have never heard a self-imposed declarative title, self-proclaimed, like empath or highly sensitive person, so often in my life ever since I started to do work around the nervous system and healing trauma. And I learned a few things in helping people heal, heal from codependency issues, helping people transform toxic relationships, and I started noticing these patterns. And when I would bring it up to people, I had two responses. Response number one, you're going to have the same response. If, you're, if you label or call yourself an empath, you're going to have one of two responses to this. And I'm okay because I've heard them both. I've seen arguments and I'm going to try to present it in a way which is mentally digestible for you and then you can see yourself in it. If you hear my son crying, he's crying in the background. Um, he's uh, being breastfed right now and uh, he's a newborn. It's actually his one month. It's been a month now that we've had him. So what a great one month into fatherhood. I'm still alive. The kid's still alive and my relationship is is stronger than ever so touch wood things are going well except not right now Dominic's in the background so it's a little distracting but I really wanted to share with you this concept of empaths now empaths are usually um, somebody with uh, I wanted to distinguish you're gonna have one of two uh, two responses to this response number one you're gonna say oh my god you're you're an asshole how dare you say this screw you you're gonna get triggered and then you're gonna get pissed off at me response number two which I get quite a bit now once you've done a little bit of work and you have kind of opened your eyes to understanding the nervous system and trauma and you've like awakened to this and you've done some healing you'll be like oh my god this is totally true so First and foremost, I wanted to share that the word empathy, that empathy in and of itself is a superpower, is a amazing skill. It's that not too many people have. It's the ability to empathize. Empathy is the ability to feel someone else's feelings. It's really that simple. That's how I view it. Empathy is when somebody presents to you what they're feeling, you're able to feel what they're feeling. And it's one of the greatest healers known to man. I've been in the healing profession for 20 years. Chiropractor, moving to helping people, mentor people, and be a guide to helping heal and break codependent patterns. Um, empathy is the healer. Empathy is what will solve humanity's problems. So empathy is the ability to have somebody else, you know, to feel somebody else's feelings. Like, Think about the times where you shared what's been going on for you with a friend and they turn around and they, you know, they, they feel your feelings and just, they don't try to fix, they don't try to solve, they just sit and they witness them and you're just like, man, fuck, I feel you. 
give me a hug or you just like it's so rare you know to feel felt by someone right it's such an amazing gift to be able to do that now empathy is a superpower that we have however when you consider yourself an empath what happens is you have a hypersensitive and a hyper awareness of other people's feelings and it, it's a it's a spectrum like you walk into a room somebody has an emotion and all of a sudden you feel that emotion someone cries boom you have to cry someone gets upset you get upset one of the clients when she reached out and we chatted on the discovery call she used this word that completely resonated with this concept and I was like what did you just say I wrote it down she said these words she goes I feel like a jellyfish that when somebody's upset or somebody has emotions that I have to have those emotions that somebody's sad I get sad somebody's angry I'm angry I don't know where I begin and when another person ends and oftentimes when empathy isn't used in a grounded space where somebody has a firm understanding and a sense of self and a sense of identity and they've healed their attachment wounds when it's not done when it's not used in that environment ideal world you've healed your attachment wounds you've healed your attachment traumas you've learned how to uh, heal from your shame or your guilt and your unworthiness and you've managed and integrated your insignificance unworthiness and not good enoughness you've integrated which means healing which you've now taken the different traumas and now healed or are working towards them and you've had tools what I call trigger proof tools to be able to integrate those what ends up happening is when somebody has a sense of feelings you can then go oh my god I totally get what's going on for you you know I'm here for you let me know if I can help I'm available at this between this time and this time and I'd love to open up this time and this time for you to come and listen you know and see whatever it is that I can do ask whatever it is that you want and then I'll be able to look and see within you know the boundaries of my ability and my energy I'll be able to say what I can and can't do I'm there for you that is what I call conscious empathy when it's done from a healed place from a place of a good deep sense of self where you empathize but there isn't this little switch in you there's a switch in you that says I'm gonna hold my boundaries in place and I'm gonna help but not at the cost of my own well-being now that's conscious empathy unfortunately when you've had trauma in your past when your life situation growing up with your parents was an absolute shit show where you did not know if you were safe mom was either an alcoholic or wasn't there and you didn't know if she was there one day or not dad was a complete shit show or not even around so you didn't feel safe in the household and you had to grow up very prematurely you had to I don't know precociously start taking care of the emotional and maybe even physical needs of your mother or father and you had to grow up really quick because mom and dad was it was so chaotic and it was such a shit show that you didn't feel safe hey LA Wilkes I don't know who that is um, hi LA 
And if you grew up, let me know if you grew up in that environment. If you can resonate with this, let me know. I can totally resonate with this. Okay, I, I'd love to hear your engagement on this because uh, now I know if this is landing for you. If you grew up in that environment where things were an absolute shit show, where in order for you to get your need, your safety needs met, you had to abandon yourself and take on the role of the helper. And you ide got identified with that good boy, good girl. You're such a good, you know, you're so, I'm so, you know, you, you, you got, you gained a sense of self and a sense of identity Okay, hey, Lorianne, a sense of self and a sense of identity, all right, by taking care of the shit show around you, guess what's going to happen? You now have identified with rescuing, saving, protecting, and here's the other part. Because you didn't feel safe, you had to develop this keen sense of hypervigilance. You had to dis develop this keen sense of hypervigilance, kind of like, oh shit, is everything going to be okay? I don't know what the fuck I'm coming home to. I don't know if mom is going to start beating the crap out of me. I don't know if dad's going to be beating the crap out of mom. Like, you literally start developing a keen sensitivity to nervous system tone, to uh, facial expressions, to the tone of voice, okay? The little subtle cues, even a look, will all of a sudden you become hypervigilant and hypersensitized to it. Or you had birth pre pre uh, one of the one of my friends that I met. She didn't remember any trauma in her childhood. However, her mother, when she was pregnant with her, her 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 biological father skipped town, and all of a sudden, there's a is a you know a pregnant woman now is faced with the terrifying situation of having to raise a child without the father imagine how terrifying that is like i mean diana was pregnant for the last all year pretty much since february <clears throat> february march and it still was scary filled with uncertainty filled with covid i thought to myself holy crap like i'm here for her like i got her back every single day what can i get you how are you feeling you know i because I know about nervous system regulation, I know that that Dominic, I didn't know it was Dominic at the time, had another name if it was a girl. I knew that the way that my, my wife, the way that Diana was feeling about us, the sense of safety that she felt between us was going to be downloaded to the child. If that sense of safety wasn't there for your mother, the hormones of stress were coursing through her veins, then you in utero, let me know if this let me know if you can resonate with this. Then you, in utero, will have a hypersensitized nervous system to cortisol and adrenaline. So when you grow up, you start going into places and all of a sudden your nervous system is sensitized. That's not a, it can be a gift if you learn how to regulate it. But most empaths are what I call unconscious empaths. Conscious empathy is the first type of empathy that I shared. If you're just jumping on, make, make sure you go back and, and watch this. Conscious empathy is when I have a deep, firm grounding in a sense of self. <clears throat> Conscious empathy is what I practice on my one-on-one -on -one calls and in my group calls when I'm working. Conscious empathy is what I practice with my wife.
because I'm first grounded in a sense of self. So now I'm able to give from a full cup. And I have boundaries where I'm able to go, I'm available for that and I'm not available for that because my priority is filling my cup first. I'm going to give, but not at the cost of my own mental, emotional, energetic well-being. That is conscious empathy. It's I give to you, I see you, I help you, but I help myself first before I help you. That's conscious empathy. Unconscious empathy is that trauma response. It's this chronic state that's very familiar, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's exactly how it was growing up where there was a complete fucking shit show at home. So you had to take care of mom. You had to take care of dad. You literally conditioned yourself to self-abandon and develop this sense of self-abandonment, self-betrayal. I'm not important at the hands of somebody else. And so this becomes an identity for you that you get rewarded and pats on the back and I feel strong and now, but what happens is you then start showing up in relationships and when there's problems, you go hunting for problems. You then continue the cycle of self-abandonment by getting into relationships with complete fucking shit shows who are alcoholics, drug addicts, narcissists, people who are just as detached from their own sense of self as you are, but on the flip side, they become needy. Both parties, the narcissist and the empath, I'll use the word codependent, the narcissist and the codependent, because codependency and empath, they're pretty much the same thing. Whenever people go, I'm an empath, and they're like, they're like, oh my God, I'm such an empath. And they ha wear it like a badge of courage or badge of honor. I'm looking and I'm like, there's some bullshit there. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I'm like, soon as I see it, I'm like, I see you. I see through your bullshit. Okay, here's what it is. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yup, yup, yup. Okay, good. Great. So either this is going to trigger you, you're going to say, fuck you, I don't want to talk to you, or you're going to be like, okay, this man speaks the truth. I get both sides and I'm okay with it. So check this out. The unconscious empath has now ab ab chronically abandoned themselves that you will, like a heat-seeking missile, start to look for complete shit shows to rescue. And you keep telling the story. Here's the other bullshit part. You keep telling the story of, I'm such a pleaser. Oh, poor me. I just do for others and I completely neglect myself and then nobody sees me. I'm such an empath. I'm such a victim to all these narcissists who just don't see me and uh, not realize. I'm not saying that the dynamic isn't happening, but I call bullshit. <laughs> the truth is, you go, yes, you did, <laughs> Lorianne, and... You weren't the first one. That's okay. As long as my wife sees me and knows what I'm all about, I'm good with it. And Dominic, he'll, he'll be spotting my bullshit too. What happens is what you're not understanding is you're actually getting something out of that little victim story. 
the little victim story of, oh, poor me, all these narcissists, and I'm an empath, and I'm a pleaser, and I'm just so tired and exhausted, and you'll have chronic fatigue, Lyme disease. It all is, like, lined up. I'm like, let me get, like, after 20 years of doing this, somebody says, I'm an empath, and then I'll come in, I'll go, really, just with one set, let me tell you exactly what happened, and then they're just sitting there going, fuck you, Nima. Oh, but you're right. Okay. I'm <laughs> back for more of your bullshit. <clears throat> so <clears throat> when you say I want to rescue, what happens is I want you to change it to I want to rescue you to distract myself from the uncomfortable feelings of insignificance I feel if I don't have a project to dedicate myself to. And then I'm going to keep giving and giving until I'm exhausted and nothing I do will ever be enough because truthfully, you can't rescue someone. It will never be enough. And then the rescuer then all of a sudden turns into resentment because you can't say no because you don't have a sense of self. You keep giving because you're trying to feed into your unworthiness, hoping that it will be seen by the other person. But unfortunately, they're a narcissist maybe a sociopath, so they can't see you. <laughs> what a mind fuck. And not only that, you will never be able to rescue them. It will never work. It will never be enough. And then here's what's going to happen. Then they resent you because you weren't able to rescue them because they're already entitled little shits because you set it up that way. And then what happens when you don't get, and when you don't get uh, the the recognition or the um, acknowledgement that you're doing it all for because you're doing it for others really you're doing it for the acknowledgement and the identity and the strength and the fucking power and the distraction from doing your own healing work you get to delegate that to others then you get pissed you become resentful then you turn into the perpetrator you go from rescuer, you become their perpetrator. You start lashing out. Then they become the victim. Then they're like, oh, you weren't able to rescue me. Fuck you. And then they come back at you. And then they perpetrate you. Then they perpetrate you. Then you become the victim. Oh, they're the victim to the narcissist. And then you're going to turn around. And then you, guess what? And now you have this cycle. You have an amazing cycle called the drama triangle. Actually, at the overview experience on Sunday, we go right into this. We actually unpack it. Unpack all the bullshit. Unpack all the lies. Unpack all the unconsciousness. Not that you're doing it on purpose. Please understand, I'm trying to be funny a little bit. It's not a conscious game. Okay? Yes, it's exactly it. It's not conscious. There's no shame. This is a complete unconscious dance. You turn around and you say, I'm an empath. And here's the mindfuck. That person's a narcissist. The question you want to ask is this. Yeah. Beth, here's the question you want to ask. Why was I a perfect match for that kind of person? Think about it. Why was I a perfect match for that kind of person? And the answer is unhealed attachment wounds. You have not dealt with your own insignificance. Your insignificance, your unworthiness, your emotional abandonment, that wasn't your fault. 
It was just passed on from your parents, their parents, their parents, down to you, unconsciously, created this fixer rescuer who then found their power in that identity and calls himself an empath because they have some sort of special thing. By the way, I, what I used to say that really pissed off a lot of people, I say empaths are, empaths are closet narcissists. <laughs> it's so true. He's a narcissist. He's a narcissist. He's a narcissist. Why are you? Why, for 20 years, I was with a narcissist. I'm such a victim. Okay, so why were you a perfect, perfect match for the narcissist? Well, because you have similar traits. And that you think you're doing it for others and pleasing others. You're doing it for others and giving up yourself for others. When in fact, you're actually doing it for yourself. You're actually doing it to give you a sense of identity. You're actually doing it so you can be a hero. You're actually doing it so that you can then feel alive and important. And this is why you put yourself in that situation. <laughs> Sarah, facepalm. The facepalm and the pain is the beginning of your healing. Because you got to admit it if you want to shift it. Let me say that again. In order to shift it, you got to admit it. If you can see it and spot the behavior, you don't have to be the behavior. But the problem is no amount of willpower can stop it. This is a pattern that's deep in your body. It's deeply embedded in your nervous system. And you, you know that you're doing it, but you'll still find yourself doing it because you haven't trigger-proofed yourself you haven't trigger-proofed yourself from guilt. So the way that you heal this is you suck at guilt. What you're doing when you're choosing the other over yourself is you're saying, I'm not ready to face the guilt of choosing myself. Because when I chose myself as a child, I was beaten down. I was shamed. So I learned to abandon myself and I became this person and now I became the helper. Deb, yes. Yes, Deb, this was your pattern. You were the empath in your marriage and what happens is that type of person has a tendency to find people who are broken birds, whether they have physical disabilities, health disabilities, addiction problems, alcohol issues, uh, depression, like some sort of a, like a breakdown, like a fucked upness to rescue. Why? Because it was just like I had when I was a child. It's familiar. It's in my body. Yes, Vanessa, it's in my body. And Here's the problem. It's a view you've never seen before because you keep going to therapists who then validate your fucking victim story. And they see you week after week and they tell you, oh, he's such a narcissist. Poor you. See you next week with the same fucking story. Five years down the road, you're telling the same story and you're, you feel validated, which is a good hit of dopamine. But then you look around and you're like, shit, I keep dating the same person. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our 
purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Why? Because you haven't owned your own narcissism. You haven't owned the selfishness of your acts. Okay? You haven't owned the selfishness of your acts and you have not trigger-proofed yourself to guilt. The only way, here, how, do, how, do we def, how do we heal this? It's not, first of all, it's not easy. It can't be done with a podcast. It can't be done by watching these videos and not showing up and doing the work. We have a group call, we have a group call on Sunday called the Overview Experience, where if this is resonating with you and you're done with this story and you actually want tools rather than somebody just validating your story, there, there, poor you, and you actually are ready to go, all right, this story's gotten me here, I'm ready to get to the next level, this training is for you because here's what we do we actually get you to unpack the drama triangle where you were the rescuer and the hero where you're trying to be the rescuer and the hero then we get to see where you were the victim then we get to see where you were the perpetrator then we get to see where your partner was all three and you'll your mind will blow your mind is just gonna i'm definitely the fixer and the rescuer and here's why be when i get to become the fixer and the rescuer it's a convenient way of distracting me from my own feelings of insignificance that I haven't dealt with from my past. And I want to blame the other person and hold on to that resentment. And that's fine. But welcome to chronic illness. Welcome to constantly feeling like you're going uphill. Welcome to having no power. And the only way out is through integrating guilt. The guilt that it takes for me to now tell people and here's the thing, the guilt that it takes for me to set boundaries is very painful. But it's something that I have to learn to do. And I do this and I share this story a lot. I am also a pleaser and a helper. I, I totally. Whenever people would a ask, Nima, I need your help, I'd get on a call. And every, who doesn't have a problem, like I set my life up this way as I know how to solve problems physical issues with, with chiropractic care, emotional issues with the overview method I've come up with. <clears throat> so I get a lot of messages from friends, family, and then people who watch my content and then feel like they are, hey, can we get on a call? And so we'd get on a call and I would listen to them emotionally dump. Dump, 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 emotionally. And I'd sit there and I'd be like, there, there. And then I would suggest, okay, so we got to work on this. They go, ah, no. I can't. I don't even have a credit card. I'd be like, wait, I just spent an hour listening to you emotionally dump. I spent an hour listening to you emotionally dump. I feel it drained and exhausted. And you're not even ready to do anything about this. And I, this would happen again and again and again. And I would start to feel resentment. 
Think about that. If you've ever experienced that, you're helping, 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 and it's not landing with the person. They're not really doing anything about it. And then you just get resentful. And then I started getting angry. And then I started hating talking to people. And then people would start to message me and say, can we get on a call? So I said, all right, we, they only want to dump. So here's what we did. We, I started setting boundaries with people. Okay. I'm not available unless you actually are committed to doing something about this. You have the means, you have the ability, you're able and you're willing to invest in a solution. Why the fuck would I get on a call with you if you just want to dump and there's no ability to do it? Now, guess what? The majority of people who ask for my time without appreciating fair exchange are the ones who don't have boundaries themselves. So when you sit here, let me say this, let me say this a different way. When you set a boundary to somebody who does not know how to set boundaries, they get triggered as fuck. So in the beginning, when I started setting these boundaries and no offense, uh, there would be Karen's. Kim and I are like, oh my gosh, we have a Karen. We have a stage 10 Karen who's reaching out, feeling entitled to my time because she resonates with some of my fucking Facebook videos. She thinks that I, I owe her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she thinks that I owe her. Okay. All right. So then when I say no, these are the criteria by which we get on a call. And now I've set up a, a specific boundaries to protect my energy and when we say sorry you're not a fit guess what happens they fucking lose their shit they lose their shit because these are people who don't understand boundaries when you set a boundary to somebody who does not know boundaries they will lose their shit and when you do it feels horrible it feels horrible to have to tell them and then have them lose their shit on me because I set a boundary and wanted to protect my energy. They feel abandoned. They, they project their past wounding of abandonment, which is why they don't set boundaries in the first place. So you must get good at guilt. Guilt is your price of admission for breaking free from this. And this is what we talk about at the overview experience this weekend. Right there. I just sent the link right there. Let me see if you can see it. Does it work? just want to make sure it works. It might not work. Yeah, it works. There it is. Click on that link. Watch the video. Read all, read everything and watch the video. On Sunday, for people who resonate with exactly what I'm saying, we go to the core wound. Why you feel insignificant in the first place. Why you feel the need to please others and get external validation because that thing is empty right there. That cannot be filled by pleasing others. And what you must do is to open up the space and create a sacred pause for yourself to be the one to rescue you. You must turn your focus off of pleasing others and then do it to yourself, which sounds a lot easier than it actually is. Okay? Kathy, this is you. <laughs> You're a classic at this one. 
it sounds a lot easier than it actually is because here's what's going to happen. You're like, oh my God, this is so perfect. I'm going to do it. And then you go, all right, I'm going to click and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to commit. I'm committing to this. Let's do it. Sunday afternoon from noon to five Pacific, three to six Eastern, early Monday morning in Australia, I'm doing it. And then all of a sudden your husband will say something or your partner or somebody will say, but I wanted to go in so-and-so time with you. And then you'll be like, uh, but I have this thing. Uh, okay, fuck it. Forget it. All right, I'll do whatever you say. You see what happens? You literally will get tested the second you choose to break free from this codependency. But it's so powerful, you're going to abandon yourself again. The only way through is to go, you know what? This is going to suck. There's other plans here. I'm sorry, I have to cancel because there's something very important that I need to do for myself. Let me say that again. I'm sorry, I have to cancel because there's something really important that I need to do for my own mental and physical well-being. And I can't, I can't put anything above that. See those words? They've probably never, if you're an empath, they've probably never been uttered from your mouth. And that is the problem. The very reason why you can't attend is the very reason why you must. And that's just, there's no simple solution. What people are looking for is, I want to heal my codependency. I'm done. But I don't want to feel guilty about it. No, no, no. Actually, the guilt is the price of admission for breaking free from that codependency. You must commit to something for you in the face of feeling guilty that you're not rescuing somebody else. And it sucks. Like today, uh, LA, uh, Lorianne, it didn't feel good to have you lose your shit on me when I said, sorry, not available for a call if you are not ready to, like you have, like you literally filled out the form and said, there's nothing that I can do. Like I have no resources. I can't do it at the moment. Okay, well then why would I get on a call with you? unless you have the means to be able to do that. So we have specific forms that make sure that my energy is completely 100% for my clients, for my family, and 20% of the time, people get pissed off at me for it. And it fucking feels horrible to feel misunderstood. Because let's face it, when, you're, when, you, when you are codependent, you suck at boundaries. So when boundaries are given to you, you're going to feel rejection. But when you're good at boundaries, you'll say, you know what, Nima? I honor that. I respect that. I want to make sure that it's well within your boundaries. And you actually don't feel entitled. This is the thing. It's entitlement. This is all codependency, empath. This is all unconscious trauma, right? Yeah, well, I'm sorry that you did. <laughs> it's as clear. Check it again. You can see it again. <laughs> and so, yeah, any number of things will happen. And I'm in, I work in mental well-being. So when people aren't that great, guess where the, the attacks come? And that's fine. I've done enough work to know the truth of who I am. And it sucks when people misunderstand you. But Mastering becoming trigger-proof and the overview method is mastery in the science of being misunderstood. Let me say that again. Your work is to become a master 
at being misunderstood by other people and still not abandoning yourself from it. Sorry, these are my boundaries. This is what I'm available for. I'd be happy to give you my time and attention and absolute love, but not at the cost of my own fucking sanity, my own health, my own, my own vitality. Hell no. That's not going to be good for you. That's not good for the world. And it's definitely not good for my family. This is the only way to mental well-being. So... I hope that answered it, Susan. Um, it's a, something I'm very passionate about. <laughs> and I love transforming people, uh, helping people transform, facilitating the transformation of people. This reminds me of Laura, who uh, just didn't have an ability to say no. And now she's able to go, this I'm available for, that I'm not available for. And now her partner, who had no respect for her and was like, I'm ready to leave, is like, wow, when are we going to get married? You know, you get to be chosen. You get to be feel chosen. Why? You ever, you've ever not had the feeling of being chosen and being a priority? Guess what? They're a reflection that you've never made you a priority. People are treating you is exactly, people are treating you to the exact degree that you're treating you. If this message is resonating for you, with you, and you're ready to transform this codependency, ready to heal yourself, ready to actually create the foundation so that you can heal all of that past stuff from the relationship challenges you're going through, from the work stress that you're going through, all this resentment that you're carrying around, like emotional weight in your body that's also translating to physical weight and lack of well-being, lack of vitality, hormonal bullshit, digestive crap that's not working, it's all related. Chronic illness, codependency, childhood trauma, uh, unresolved wounds, inability to set boundaries, repeating toxic patterns, uh, like letting people treat you abusively, not setting boundaries and saying, no, fuck that. Not accessing warrior energy, being in victim mode all the time. This can be transformed, but not overnight, not with a podcast, not with a book. Not with a book, with a group, of, with a community, with a guide to hold you accountable. With somebody who's courageous enough to care about you, yet not care so much that they're withholding the truth. Often when you go to counselors and therapists, they're bound by professional liability, right? <laughs> My mom even commented how peaceful and well I look today. Awesome. You came to our... Uh, uh, Breathwork and badassery. I love doing them. They're, they're once a month. Just get in. Just get involved. And if you haven't watched the video, Becoming Trigger Proof, it's a 90-minute training that is free with a promo code. Send me a DM say, telling me what your story is. I'm going to ask you some questions, send you the link with a free code that makes the $97 training free. And I'd love for you to watch it so you can learn exactly what you need to do. This is the path. I figured it out. I figured out how to break free from enmeshment, break free from codependency. I was stuck in a toxic codependent cycle. I was the narcissist. Hard for you to believe, I know. I get that. But I was repeating this pattern until I found myself. Because the narcissist and the empath are the same. This is the key. This is the mind fuck. The empath is a closet narcissist. Sorry, the narcissist is a closet uh, codependent because they're dependent and needy on one on people's validation and the empath is a closet narcissist because while you think that they're like giving and pleasing they actually want 
the identity, the validation, and be the hero and rescuer. They want the recognition. So narcissists, narcissists codependent are two sides of the same coin. The only way to heal is to see yourself in it. And I actually literally over five hours help you unpack it in the overview experience on Sunday. Jump in. Uh, a plan and a commitment. Yes, you're stuck with me. Oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> and so look, I look forward to... Um, oh, not you. <laughs> okay, great. Thank God. Um, <laughs> so I really look forward to those of you. I'm super stoked. I can see some of your names. You're coming on Sunday. You're coming on Sunday. And here's what you're going to get. You, we are going to do, we start with this letter that you're going to write with resentment towards the person that you're most resentful for. And then I take you through a process and we uncover the, un, the unconscious childhood woundings that, that has, yeah, you're entangled with. And then we literally teach you how to dismantle it. It's the most powerful five hours. If you give yourself permission to create that sacred pause for yourself, your life will not be the same. I promise you, we've had some, if you've been, Write in the comments what your experience was like uh, because it's very powerful and I love teaching it. It's uh, the result of 20 years of work being a chiropractor, working in the mind-body field, seeing the most stressed out folks, going through my own divorce and toxic relationship breakdowns, really taking a good look at myself, an uncomfortable look at myself, taking full ownership and then saying, you know what? It didn't start with me, but it can end with me. Let me say that again. It didn't start with me. It's not my fault. It's nothing for me to be ashamed of. It's nothing for you to be ashamed of because it didn't even start with you, but it can end with you. But only if you give yourself permission to have the discomforting feeling of choosing yourself. <laughs> I meant you a narcissist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And here's the best part about it is <clears throat> there's a time to be a narcissist, the time to be an empath. <laughs> there's a time for all of these parts. We all carry all of these traits. They're, they're to be used for good. One of the clients who just signed on working with me for the next several months, he said, you know what I noticed? And this is the feedback he gave me. He said, I could see the narcissist energy in you. I could see it, but you are actually channeling it to serve us and use it for good. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. That's the secret. Beth, if you want it to end with you, you must say these words. I'm willing to feel the discomfort of choosing myself and making myself a priority. Okay. This is beautiful gift you have in our giving. Thank you for seeing me. And I appreciate our little banter on email back and forth. You literally, she literally told me to fuck off on, on email and we're still chatting. And that's the beauty of this work is that conflict doesn't have to completely divide conflict can be used for deeper intimacy and that's the cool part about it is my wife and I we have conflicts but they don't last very long we bounce back like this and we can use it for deeper intimacy by not hiding our truth by sharing what's true you know and uh, I want that for all of you I believe every one of us have our birthright a secure attached relationship that's the that's the reward for all this difficult work is a relationship that feels nourishing and the question i want to ask you is how many years do you have left on this planet let me do this try this check this out let me do grab your calculator and do this i'm going to send you off with this little exercise grab your calculator now write out your age minus 44 okay and what you want to do is to, to 
let's say you're going to live to 95. Take 95 and minus your age, 44. It works out to 51. Let's assume I'm going to live to 95. That means I have 51 years left. Multiply that by 365. And this is 18,615. This is how many days I have left on this planet. Two years ago, I, I had a little bit more than those number of days. And I did that exercise and I said, I want the days that I have left to be filled with relationships that feel nourishing, that I feel seen, and that I'm able to create a container called a relationship that feels secure, feels safe, feels like mutuality, healthy interdependence rather than codependency based on a need. <laughs> you know? And by God, I got it. And this was impossible for me. I always said I never wanted to be a dad I'm a child. I don't want to, I don't want a child. I'm a child myself. And that's what happens with unresolved trauma. We are frozen. We are arrested development and stuck in unresolved woundings at those age, age groups. And what happens is if we don't solve this, we then pass it on to kids who then have to have the experience of immature, emotionally immature parents. Show of hands and let me know if you had the experience growing up with parents that you wish that you felt that you had to parent because they were emotionally immature. If we don't do this work, if I didn't do this work, then Dominic would have a father who's emotionally immature and unable to meet his needs. He's going to bring up and trigger all these unresolved shit in me. That's what your kids are here to do. If you had unresolved shit when you're 16, guess what? When your kid turns 16, guess what's going to happen? They're going to come up with the exact same problems. Take a look. Take a look at the challenges your kids are going through. Look at where you were at that age. How many times have people, people come up to me and say, can you fix my kids? I'm like, how old are they? 16. What happened to you when you were 16? I'm like, do your kids want to work with me? No. Then you got to work with me. No, but I can't enter excuse here. I can't because time, money, da-da-da-da-da, but, but, but fix them. I'm like, that's a good way to avoid your feelings, and you're just going to pass it along. Imagine, and this is the last question I wanted to ask you. Now, this is what I wanted to ask you. Imagine if your parents, if your mother, when you were younger, took the time to say, you know what? It didn't start with me, but it's going to end with me, and decided to heal her and your dad decided to heal his attachment wounds. What difference would that have made in your, growing, in your upbringing? What difference, what experience of life would be, what would your experience of life feel like if they did? Guess what? You have the opportunity to do it, but you're going to have to override the feelings of, but no, I'm not worthy. No, I feel guilty. I'm going to let people down. The greatest gift you can give your family, the greatest gift I can give my son Dominic is a self-loving father. The greatest gift that I could give Dominic is a relationship with his mother that feels like home, where he feels safe, and that I, she feels my connection. Because it's interesting, when she feels disconnected and stressed, he feels it, and he's a month old. Your kids feel your energy and the connection between them. 
Think of the energy between your parents growing up and their arguments and their conflict and how that was downloaded to you. You're downloading it onto your kids, and I'm not saying to give you dad guilt or mom guilt because there's plenty of that. That's, there's plenty of that to go around. I'm saying it to inspire you to choose yourself and to know it's the most giving thing you can give to your kids if you, had a, if you gave them a mother that was self-loving that's not going to be a dependent on them when you're older because your health has turned to shit. You're not going to be a dependent on them because you've been giving, 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 and then you exhaust yourself and develop a chronic illness, and then now you're forced to have someone take care of you because you didn't take care of you. You can't avoid it. You can't avoid it. And so this is what had me leave chiropractic. This is where healing is at, and I absolutely love it. And uh, yes, you did. And go ahead and jump in. The link is right there. Don't hesitate. Just jump in, fill out the form, and tell me exactly what's stopping you. And I promise you, here's my commitment. During the weekend workshop, during the Sunday workshop, we're going to make sure we address it. I'm going to help you get to that next level. And if you're not satisfied, you have, a, you have a satisfaction guarantee, money back guarantee on all of my events. I, cannot, I never said that before until now. I'm like, I fucking stand behind this because this is my life's work. I've suffered a great deal in my own life to heal from my shit and to learn this stuff and to be able to be effective at teaching it. And this is, I'm onto something. You're seeing the, the early phases of this. In the next year, it's going to be massive. This is going to be the thing that's going to transform humanity. And I've now enrolled in a three-year somatic experiencing training because I am, within the next three years, going to be one of the world authorities in knowledge, because I'm already a chiropractor, in uh, interpersonal trauma. Because this is where health turns to shit. This is where relationships and families become crumbled. And by not addressing this and healing at the root cause level and breaking the generational cycle, there's no hope for humanity. And so I picture a world where Dominic lives, where post-COVID, uh, these impending mental, uh, impending uh, mental health crisis that, that's upon us, he's able to be ready to serve rather than be a victim of it. And I want to work with people who are ready to become the same. Let me know what was resonating with you. Uh, and if you want that training, send me a DM with your story, and then I'll send you the training with the promo code. And uh, I'll see you at the next perfect time. Thank you for the question, uh, Suzanne. If you have any questions, I'll do a training tomorrow. Just ask a question, and I'll do a Facebook Live for you. I'm here to serve this community. See you at the next perfect time. I'm going to go snuggle my son. <laughs>